try to change the subject Or try to put yourself above it A boy could get pneumonia sitting next to you That's true A little sleep is all Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show Joining us for this hour, Darsh Mashru, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay. I'm trying to look something up. Trying to see who those... Yep. I thought so. Back... Uh, that's This is a song by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Came out, I think, 1980. It, it was an album called Make a Little Magic, and it was also uh, a song which you're listening to. And the uh, female vocal on that is Nicolette Larson, who actually had her own album. Uh, She passed away in her 40s. Okay. The next next company that we're going to talk about is a company that we followed for years, and only recently have we bought it. That shows how brilliant we are. I mean, we're just <laughs> just geniuses. But if you can't beat them, join them. And that's Berkshire Hathaway. Now, typically, we like companies that pay dividends. Berkshire does not pay a dividend. But it's a fascinating company, of course, run by uh, Warren Buffett, started by, well, the Berkshire part of it, and the actually, those were two companies that pre-existed. <coughs> Hathaway was a was a textile company. I think Berkshire was an insurance company, and they merged them. I remember they used to have Hathaway shirts, and that was not a good business. But Buffett started it kind of a little way that, W.T. Young started with Stormcat. It was kind of a not a very auspicious beginning, and then it really turned into a laboratory for Warren Buffett's uh, investment prowess and and his deep understanding of how the insurance business worked and uh, and the uh, ability to to sell policies and pick up insurance float, which could be invested for a long period of time. So. It's it's a it's one exception we're willing to make from our dividend policy uh, to own uh, Berkshire because of the uh, one of the things that that triggered me for us to want to buy it is that right now Berkshire has been sitting on for, for they may not have as much cash right now as they did but they've had over a hundred billion dollars in cash which was in T bills earning them effectively zero. Uh, they've been able to, I hope, invest that money and, and pick up significant interest rate income above and beyond what zero was. Even during that time, I still think their combined ratio was typically under 100 because they're very good about not paying out more in claims than uh, the premiums that they take in. But I don't know, uh, you know, none of us in our lifetimes will ever see again uh, something like Berkshire and, and and what they've done and achieved. And it's just a fascinating company to own. 
Yeah, so, you know, Berkshire is what you would call a, a holding company. Uh, it's a company that owns or has interests in various other companies. It's a, it's a pretty complex uh, structure, uh, you know, when you think about it, because they make investments not just at the, you know, holding company level, but they also have insurance subsidiaries that invest their float. Um, so, you know, and their biggest com- insurance company is uh, Geico. And then they also have Berkshire Hathaway Reinsurance. Uh, and their investment portfolio consists of various investments that they have made, you know, notably right now they're the biggest holding in their investment portfolio is uh, Apple. Um, they own like $150 billion worth of just Apple alone. Right. And they've been adding to it. More recently, they've been adding to Occidental Petroleum. They've been just recently added to Taiwan Semiconductors. Uh, so they have been opportunistic, I guess, in this market. Uh, because for years, you know, they were holding on to a lot of cash. They did, of course, make investments. You know, they bought uh, Lubrizol. That was a few years ago. The um, the railroad investments. Uh, yes. The uh, utilities uh, investments. Right. Um, and they own legacy investments, which they've owned forever. Coca-Cola, American Express. Um. So, and then there are other smaller investments, which today are probably big, you know, Seas Candy, which they've owned for a number of years. Uh, I think they also own Fruit of the Loom. Um, Dunkin', uh, is it Dunk- Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts? I think they also had an investment in that. Um, so, multiple companies that are under this Berkshire Hathaway umbrella, either directly or through one of their insurance subsidiaries, and uh, the company does not pay a dividend. In fact, the dividends that they receive from their investments uh, are usually held and then reinvested into other companies. Um, and the reason why a company does not pay a dividend is because they feel that they uh, are either seeing or they have the ability to make uh, reinvestments of these dividends that, you know, uh, higher uh, rate rates of returns. Um, yeah, I mean they 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 have always maintained the posture of a growth company, right? They, um, it, despite their size, what what's their total market value now? Berkshire, uh, four hundred billion, yes, something like that. It's it's big, and they've always maintained the. Uh, they've never said, you know, we're not. We're we're mature now, right? According to this, which was just printed today, six seventy five billion. Yeah, good lord, six eighty two as on uh, Yahoo Finance today. So six hundred and eighty two billion. Yeah, and it's basically been built uh, on the investment prowess of one guy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's you know. Interesting is, you know, there are there are a number of uh, other investors, if you look at the last 20, 30 years, who've done pretty well uh, on their own. They've probably outperformed Berkshire Hathaway because they were operating with a smaller pool of capital. Uh, but the reason why Berkshire and Warren Buffett have been able to do as well as they have is because they have a longer history of compounding their investments, you know, 
Right. Buffett himself mm-hmm. started when he was 12 or 13. Uh, and then Berkshire came along later. Um, was he probably in his 30s or 40s when, when he took control of that? He had, a, yeah. he had an investment partnership right. initially, and he dissolved it. Yes. And told people to buy municipal bonds with it. Right. And uh, then he, you know, got this thing going. I think, yeah, the investment partnership was in the 50s. And then I don't know if this happened in the late 50s or sometime in the 60s. Uh, And, uh, you know, even when you think about that, you know, if it was the 50s or the 60s, that's over 60 years uh, of just reinvesting and growth and uh, compounding. Um, some point uh, along uh, the road, it wasn't initially, but uh, Warren Buffett met uh, Charlie Munger, who is his partner. Uh, Charlie Munger is not as big an owner of Berkshire Hathaway as Warren Buffett is, but uh, he's had a strong influence on Warren Buffett. What do you think the real, you know, business thrust of Berkshire is? It's mainly insurance. It is, yes. Um, And when you think about it, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, the genius to me is that they, you know, that Buffett figured out that if we had an insurance company, we could invest the float over long periods of time. And if we made wise investments, we would, far outperform bonds, which is typically what insurance companies invest in. I mean, most of them keep their money short term. And he did, he was at one point here because he realized interest rates were way too uh, low. Right. And, uh, you know, they were staying short, but in times past, they didn't have as much cash and they would invest more in deals and things like that. And, And so now he's back to investing in, stocks and right. he hasn't done any big investments but it seems to me that the, the the wisdom of the whole thing is to understand the the long-term nature of insurance float and to invest it accordingly i think he did that better than anybody's ever done it or even thought about doing it well and he's <clears throat> he he berkshire embodies the whole idea of long-term investing because you know advisors, money managers, they can say, oh, well, we're long-term investors or whatnot. Um, but ultimately they answer daily to their shareholders. Right. Mutual fund, uh, mutual funds answer daily to their shareholders. They put money in, take money out, whatever. Hedge funds, you know, they have a longer lockup period, but still they have redemptions. Um, private equity. Private equity. Um, but Berkshire, it's, perpetual float yeah. that their dollar cost averaging in and he doesn't he, he they have to answer to berkshire shareholders but they've answered pretty if, well if they sell the stock and and the stock goes down and he thinks it's cheap he'll buy berkshire stock back sure um so there, there's essentially nobody to answer to so to speak on a day-to-day right basis and so he literally can take a forever view on these things and he can invest through market cycles and take advantage of those market cycles Um, and so it's it's something that cannot be 
replicated. You couldn't build that today because where things are, um, it, it was just it was it was perfection of when he started it. The timing. Right. I mean, I think you mechanics. could do it, but uh, it would take really it would take more of a special person today than is out there. I yeah. mean, you know, I think that we really should have been in crypto this whole time <laughs> and we should have been with FTX. It's just a joke. So th- famously, Charlie, uh, Munger, uh, Bo- Buffett's, um, partner said two years ago that the crypto thing wasn't going to work out. And unless something changes, he it's, it's turned out he's going to be right. Um, he took so much flack for that too. Did he? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with Buffett. Um, you know, several times in the past, you know, uh, not chasing trends, um, right. you know, SPACs, uh, tech stocks, all that stuff. Um, the market, you know, makes fun of them essentially. Um, and they end up, oh, that, who was that, that guy? Who's like a bartender. Or yeah. Uh, um, uh, bar, bar stool. Bar stool. Uh, yeah. That uh, was, um, Shoot, what's his name? See, I don't even remember his name. Yeah. That's how yeah. important he is. Um, Portnoy, well, Rob Portnoy. Portnoy, yeah. Portnoy. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, a lot of the pictures, he's with some hooker or something. You know. So oh yeah. It's hard to take the guy real serious. <laughs> I I would also say, as you know, smart and uh, wise as both Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are, they're not infallible. They yeah. have made bad investments. In fact, uh, Charlie Munger uh, said, you know, over a decade ago that he didn't think Tesla was going to amount to anything, and Two or three days ago, he said he was really impressed with what Musk was able to do. Uh, just on that crypto point, so I'm not sure if the, <laughs> if the <laughs> don't step on any crypto toes too quick. No, it's it's listen, everybody, you know, concepts get out there and they got to run their course. Uh, but I think but Berkshire has stuck to their knitting in terms of basic investing. Better than anybody out there. And, and it, it, again, it's the institution that they've built, the longevity. Because what, what was the the mini, the mini Berkshire that we used to own? Lucadia. They, Lucadia. Um, they were on track to kind of do the same thing, but they're, you know, three decades behind. Uh, right. Couldn't catch up. You know, they finally sold everything and bought Jeffries, and they've changed the name. Yeah, yeah Lucadia doesn't even there exist. don't exist. Yeah. Um, same thing with um, you know Cincinnati Financial, which is a great company. Yeah. Uh, that's in the portfolio. Great company. Um, but you know they have a seventeen billion dollar market cap. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no comparison. No, there really to isn't. that in Berkshire. Um, so and they can, haven't grown as fast as Berkshire has over the 60 years they've been around. No, they, they just haven't been the same kind of company. And so it's, it, it's, it, like I said, they're a great company. They've raised their dividend for over 60 years. Great company. They do pay a dividend. Um, but there, there's no, that's com- why they haven't grown so much, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. but, but there, there is no comparison to, to Berkshire. Not even close. I, I think one of the, what's impressive is just the discipline that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have practiced over the years where yeah. I think most humans, you know, would easily be tempted into latest trends. And, um, you know, they have spoken about their circle of competence. They've, you know, they've tried to grow their circle of competence. They're not, you know, forcing. Well, they got them. into Apple and it became their right. biggest, but they had that younger guy that came in and, and he really encouraged them to, 
right? to buy Apple. Right. So, um, but I, I remember, you know, uh, people were very critical of uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire during uh, the dot-com years because they refused to buy tech stocks and then they were proved right. Uh, more recently, you know, three <laughs> years ago, two years ago, people were critical of, again, because Berkshire had gone nowhere for a long time and, you know, the, there were comparisons of Berkshire and ARK, which is Kathy Wood's fund, uh, which went up like four or five times. And today, Berkshire is much higher, has surpassed the returns of ARK, and ARK has basically underperformed the NASDAQ over the last five, six years. So these things... You know, she's taken some new positions recently. I think she. she uh, yeah, they, she keeps adding to the fund. Uh, typically, keeps adding to the same holdings that uh, she has. But yeah, recently she uh, has been buying uh, new positions. Uh, but again, I, I don't know if you can, you know, ever compare someone like her. I don't know why people would even attempt that. Uh, it's just you know a different. A vehicle, uh, and it's um, I would say it's a more short-term approach, whereas Warren Buffett truly takes a very, very long-term approach. Yeah, and I mean Buffett's Buffett's biggest thing is just the compounding, and you know the the bulk look at of, the look at the Coca-Cola investment, yeah. which hasn't been that great a performer. It was for a while, but he's now getting more in dividends, significantly more every year in dividends than his initial investment was in the company. Think about that for a minute. Right. I think he put $200 million into Coca-Cola maybe back in the 80s. And now today he's getting double or triple that in right. dividends from the same holding. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. And I suspect he used Apple as something similar, uh, you know, a strong consumer brand which has a recurring sort of uh you know it's it's just such a important part of the the psyche of people right that uh not me <laughs> me neither i don't uh, own one so i don't know what they're talking about with this apple stuff <laughs> whether you yeah. know it or not you've bought a few indirectly because <laughs> i have several and i love them i don't use it <laughs> yeah but that's fine Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's a fruit company, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Golly. right. Right. Well, the logo is anyway. All right, you guys. We've got about another. Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, I would simply say before she cuts us off prematurely that. Oh, my uh, gosh. Um, you stop. No, the, the, the thing on Buffett is he has been able, like Blackstone, to adapt to what the market's given you and take his template for investing and get into areas that he previously said he didn't know anything about, but he went to school on them and he learned and he adapted. And that's what you have to be able to do to, to do well in this business. You have to adapt to what the, you can't just say, Oh, that's not going to work. So Charlie Munger is more kind of that that guy for for Buffett. Buffett might have while he well while Munger was saying that Buffett might have said, I don't know this crypto thing. You know, maybe <laughs> we should look at it a little closer. You know, he's that kind of guy. Uh, but uh, Munger's going to be the old curmudgeon kind of guy, and he's worth a couple billion, and Warren's worth two hundred or whatever. So. <laughs> 
Go figure. <laughs> All right. Once again, nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell. Please consult a professional before investing. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mushroom, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like us to take a look at your personal portfolio, give us a call, 859-233-0400. Investing, retirement investing is never a set and forget. So you want to keep up to date on what is going on, and we'd be happy to help you do that. We'll be back in just a few minutes highlighting one more company before we're done for the day. Stay tuned. Let's make a little magic for the night is through. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. In my 44 years in the investment business, I have found that the best time to invest in any type of security is when that security is in a bear market, similar to the times we are in now. If you've been thinking of investing, don't wait for the market to make a bottom. Consider beginning to average into your investment, knowing that while you may not be hitting the bottom, you will be getting an average price over time, which will probably be considerably lower than prices after the bear market is over. I have seen it work many times. Call us at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation review of your investment accounts. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us at Darsh Mashroom, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group with some crazy intro music. So that's the very first time the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band ever appeared in any media. It was in the movie Paint Your Wagon with Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood uh, when Clint Eastwood was a very young guy. And... Uh, there it's in it's set inside of a gold mining camp in california uh in the 1850s or 40s and uh the guys are all dancing around in the mud uh it's 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 really hilarious a great movie paint your wagon lee marvin and there's another song in there that we used to sing at camp uh it's it's uh, called the wind they call mariah and uh, it, it's 
incredible uh, rendition of it um, when they're all sitting in a, in a in their camp in their tents. It's been raining for like six days, and they're all just sitting there getting wet, even under their tents, and they all start singing this song. It's powerful. Uh, okay. The final company that we're going to look at is a company called AGNC Investment Corp. The symbol is AGNC. Now, I started out in the investment business as a bond salesman. Bonds are fixed income investments. They're debt investments. Uh, they're backed up by the ability of whatever their issuer is to pay them the principal and the interest. I'm sorry, the the interest and the principal when it comes due. So uh, fixed income investing is sort of the bedrock of, of my thing. And AGNC uh, is what's called a mortgage real estate investment trust or a mortgage REIT. Means that they pass through almost all of their income to their investors. Now, what do they do? They buy U.S. government mortgage-backed bonds, but they're not really bonds because a bond has typically pays interest every six months until maturity and then pays all the principal at maturity. The mortgage-backed securities that AG&C buys are really called pass-through certificates where people... Well, if you go to get a home mortgage to the bank or the brokerage com- or the mortgage company, they are not that's not where your mortgage is going to stay. As soon as they do that uh, mortgage with you, they're selling it off to either Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae or Jenny Mae. And Jenny or Freddie or Fannie is going to package that thing into a pass-through certificate and sell it to uh, investors who will then put it on the market and people buy these things um, and they pay a a fixed rate of interest and then they pay back some of the principal every month because when you make your mortgage payment, you're actually paying some of the principal every month. You pay more principal per payment towards the end of the mortgage than you do at the first. When you're doing when you're making your payment at the first of the mortgage, it's almost all interest. Towards the end, it's almost all principal because the balance has declined. So uh, AGNC buys these things. Now they don't have enough capital to own them all outright. So they use uh, the street that is Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, the big banks, Citigroup, the different big banks out there to finance, in other words, to loan them money to buy a lot of these mortgage-backed securities. They're paying less on the money that they borrow from the street than they are earning on the mortgage-backed securities, and thus you have a spread. Now, you ask, well, uh, do they have any credit risk? In other words, is there a possibility that the the the, the lenders or the uh, borrowers that they're lending to won't pay? If the U.S. government stops paying, then they have credit risk. But if it keeps paying, then they don't have any credit risk because it guarantees, steps in and guarantees 
the P&I, principal and interest payments, on these pass-through certificates. They don't have credit risk. Do they have interest rate risk? You better believe they do. So recently with these um, several successive, I think there's four that have been 75 basis point raises. We've already had four. Uh, We've had three, actually. Oh, I think four. Oh, yeah, sorry, four. You're right. Yeah, yeah yes. I think it's been four. So that's 300 basis points. In other words, 3% that's been added to the Fed funds rate, the short-term rates. And this affects uh, a company like AGNC. Also, it's affected the long end, which has dropped the prices of the mortgage backs that they own. So their share price dropped. It was trading between 11 and 12 bucks. It got as low as mid sevens, uh, was only there briefly. Now it's back to nine ish, you know, a little over nine bucks because we've had a, a bit of a decline during that time. They kept paying their dividends. So they were able to, um, sustain the dividend. The business model has seemed to work through bad markets, good markets. Now, have they lost some share price since, uh, you know, the last two or three years? Absolutely. So the question becomes, is it a good time now to buy? Because are we going, have we seen the highs in interest rates? Based on, you know, the things that, that I've experienced over the years, I don't see as many inflationary perf- pressures kicking in going forward as we've had in the last year or two, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, this thing could decline again. And I'm not going to make a market call based on that. I'm not going to say you should buy it or shouldn't, but what's interesting is the, it, the simplicity of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, template and the way that they, are basically running it like a bank in a way that's pretty pared down. Right. So, I mean, at its core, it it is, you know, like a bank when where they're borrowing short-term and lending long. Uh, one of the differences is that they also tend to uh, hedge their rate of borrowing uh, which is actually helping them right now. So when, as interest rates have gone up, uh, the value of the securities uh, that they own uh, has gone down because there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and price of bonds. But uh, their spread here in the last two quarters is actually uh, improved. Uh, and the reason for that is... It's the difference between what they're borrowing money for and what they're earning on it. Right, is because because of their hedges, their uh, cost of borrowing hasn't gone up as much, but uh, the new investments that they make at this point are yielding much higher than their previous investments because uh, interest rates have gone up. So now, of course, there will come a point, you know, that the hedges will roll off and their cost of financing will go up. But uh, their hedges have been helping them so far. Uh, now, their book value uh, has dropped 
because of higher interest rates, but that tends to fluctuate. You know, if six months later interest rates drop again, then their book value will go up. But the business is not really about you know growing book necessarily. It's about growing income, paying income, and you know growing that income. So at this point, uh, their dividend has been maintained, and uh, you know their income is what it has been over the last few quarters. Right. Well, and when we had the call, we actually we got to speak with the CEO, uh, which which was really, you know, that that was a treat. Um, but one of the big points he was making was during the last, you know, say seven eight months, uh, market volatility. Um, what's the first things that a lot of the institutional big money managers uh, sell off? What's the most liquid things and some of the most liquid investments are mortgage bonds. And so when you're looking at those spreads you're talking about, you're selling the most liquid and there's no buyers. The Fed's not buying now. They're selling. Um, so you have this mis- mismatch of supply and demand. And so you had the prices go down potentially more than was justified. And so you have those spreads widening that you're talking about, Adarsh. And you know what's the quickest thing to typically snap back um, is, you know, some of those more liquid things. Um, and so the spread was comparable. I think it was the wide, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the widest since the financial crisis. Right. Um, and you look at the situation we're in now, and this is not like what was going on no. during the financial crisis, especially with financials. Yeah. They're, they're, everybody's better capitalized. You don't have the fraud in the underwriting of uh, mortgage loans yeah. that was happening. You don't have a countrywide out there, you know, putting out um, CMOs that are rated AAA that really ought to be rated double B. You know, you don't have that kind of thing happening. Yeah. Right now, if anything, you know, the market or uh, the financial uh, industry is overcapitalized in some ways. Parts of it are. Right. So you're, you're looking at a, an asset that has declined in value, um, you know, comparable to what happened during the financial crisis, talking about mortgage bonds specifically. Um, and you look at it and say, okay, you know, is there value? Is that an overreaction because of these one-off things happening? And that's how you kind of come to an investment thesis. I'm thinking about an investment. <laughs> It's got a yield. How much? <laughs> Over 10%. Really? Yeah. But I gave it to the cat. <laughs> we, Sorry. Just, we just can't get away from that. I don't know why I relate everything back to that. A bacon-eating no, dog on YouTube for those that yeah, might yeah. have missed it the six or dozen times more. I than don't we. know why I always say, say that. But it does pay a, a fairly elevated yield. And those things, you know, we've always said to people, if it, seems too good to be true then the question is yes it might be so you always whenever whatever any investment is paying a yield that seems significantly higher than uh, what normal things would be paying you know one has to really look 
at what's causing that to happen. And you have to look at the risks that it may not happen going forward. We've owned this thing for several years, and they've been times where they've had to cut the dividend. They've never they had to eliminate it briefly during uh, COVID, I think, maybe for a couple of months or so. But typically, that's not been the case. The business model has typically held up pretty well. I mean, all the banks during the financial crisis they were required to uh, cease their dividends. Right, they couldn't pay dividends. You know, and, and um, so you're going to look at a thing like that over time and think, well, you know, is this sustainable? But we have seen it for the most part over a long period of time be pretty sustainable. So you're looking at a point right now where the the the, the stock is trading pretty far on the low end of its historical trading range it was lower than this about a five six weeks ago but it's still pretty low i, I was going to add that a lot of credit also goes to the management uh, of the company because they've been extremely disciplined not just during the financial crisis but then there was the taper tantrum um, a few years after the financial crisis there was covid and then here the most recent crisis and uh you know, interest rates went up, so it could have been very tempting for them to start, you know, buying uh, stuff at higher yields. But they've been extremely patient, uh, and rightly so, because interest rates went up a lot more than, uh, you know, anyone expected here in the last year. Um, Will they lever up going forward? I think once they start seeing signs that rates are stabilizing, uh, you know, if the Fed is reaching... Uh, is at the point where they are going to stop raising rates this aggressively and perhaps at some point even, you know, pivot. I think at that point you could start seeing them leveraging because then they'll have the tailwind of, uh, you know, interest rates dropping and their book value going up. Uh, So it it, it is very tricky, uh, but, you know, uh, they have demonstrated that they are, uh, you know, good uh, custodians of of uh, the money that they manage. So um, uh, also, unlike the financial crisis, during the financial crisis, it it wasn't clear how these securities would be treated if the government, there was always this implicit understanding that the government was behind Freddie and Fannie, but now we know for sure. Right, well they had to, it was a moral guarantee, which whatever that meant, it turned into a direct guarantee. So, and that happened during the financial crisis right. also. So I, I, you know, I, I know enough about the collateral to feel comfortable with it. A lot of people don't, right. and I'm not making an endorsement that anybody should buy this here. Although I would simply say that it's one of the simplest things that we, we own and, and it can be, very much affected by interest rates, and uh, which is basically the law of supply and demand. It's not a company like a Berkshire that has, right. uh, you know, seventy thousand employees worldwide and a huge infrastructure. It's much smaller, much more uh, simple in in what it does. Uh, not uh, very uh, many really moving parts to it. 
like there might be to some other things. Yeah, it's it's an inve- uh, income uh, investment. It's a REIT, which means that they have to pay out uh, over 90% of their earnings as dividends. Uh, so it's as you said, it's not your typical company. You know, They're basically paying out almost everything that they make. Right. Well, you look at, you know, all four of these that we were talking about and each one, I mean, we, we could, we could spend an hour talking about each one of these. I mean, and we they, could talk about 10 others. Exactly. Because that's our research process. We get into, and we get to know the companies in which we're invested and we don't, uh, you know, we don't just cursorily buy them. We, we get to know what they are and who, who runs them and, and, the kind of business that they're in. Well, and each one of them serves a purpose in the portfolio too. Um, you know, AG and C primarily income, uh, Kinder Morgan primarily income Berkshire Hathaway, not income, um, no. not a, not a dividend. So every one of these, they have a specific right. role in the portfolio, but the portfolio is much bigger than these four stocks. And 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 we know, Mike, that the, the whole purpose of all this stuff is to make you look good. Well, of course. Because his name's on the, his name's on the <laughs> yeah. shingle, right? Yeah. No. He's yeah. the guy that he has to go typically and tell the clients, well, we did good, or we didn't so do well, so. Well, he would be the one with egg on his face. You would be the one with the name I'm on hiding, the shingle. I'm yeah. hiding up there behind the desk. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't getting in the middle of that. So, no, seriously, it is a thing that we are accountable to our clients. Yep. And, you know, we're going to – we're going to do our research that you can count on. As long as we're here, we will do the research and we will come up with, you know, and, 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 and I've grown up in the business. I've had more fun. I've been doing this for 44 years. I can't even compare the prior, you know, 25 that I did it before, since the time I've had this firm worked with you guys on so much of this, um, you know, what you know, the greatest and, the greatest thing about all of it is when you come and meet with us, you get to hear the stories of what these guys have learned about each individual company, and you will know what you own, and you'll know the story behind it and the philosophy no, no, philosophy no, 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 of no. why it's in the portfolio. Yeah, like, it, it, like, they're, like they're really interested. Sometimes people aren't interested. Well, if they are you, interested, you should be we'll interested in the fact that we're interested. Give us a call, 233-0400. We'd love to talk to you. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks in the stock market will be discussed on this program, check with your financial advisor or a professional before investing. And here's more of this crazy music, if I can get it to come up. And we may be spared because it's uh, it's not playing for some reason. There it is. The great thing about somewhat live broadcast. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree show with the Darsh Mushroom, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. As Tom said, give us a call, 859-233-0400. We appreciate you listening this week. We will talk to you next week. Tonight.